This episode is brought to you by Indie Insights. Indie Insights is our bi-weekly newsletter and love note to the film industry, movies, and the creatives that make them, not to mention you, our esteemed listeners. Inside, you'll find curated industry trends, articles, exclusive commentary, and underappreciated films from filmmakers like you worldwide. And the best part is that it is completely free. So join today at www.bonsai.film. It takes just a few seconds. And once you sign up, you'll get the very next newsletter on Friday morning. It's that simple. Go to www.bonsai.film to get Indie Insights, our biweekly newsletter, and join a network of film creatives just like yourself. And don't worry, we'll never sell your information or spam you with a bunch of nonsense emails, just the bi-weekly film industry goodness you need. And if you ever tire of Indie Insights, simply unsubscribe. No gimmicks, no games. So go to www.bonsai.film to get Indie Insights for free. You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps creatives in film get where they're going faster by sharing the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives across the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs. Hello, hello, Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and this is an Indie Talk Week, and that means I'm here with my good friend and co-founder, Nicholas Bugs. Nick, say hello. Hello, hello. Again, once again, it's good to be back. It is good to be back. We've, we've taken a little bit of a hiatus, uh, rightfully so. I mean, we've kinda. been in and out of town. We've had some festival work, some film work to be doing. And we had lots of great interviews. So kudos to the team for these last three interviews, Haley Watson, Francis Hernandez, and uh, Dr. Mark Golston. Yep. I also thought the Industry Insight released on Tuesday was a five-star Industry Insight about Naomi Osaka and LeBron James is sort of branding and marketing flub. <laughs> yeah, but that was really great. And a lesson that like every creative can use, like go ahead and Google that name up that you picked and make sure it doesn't mean something in some other market that's going to sort of follow you around and haunt you since yeah. uh, we're in October, haunt there you, you for the, for the nice. remainder of your career. But look, man, we have a lot to get to because it's been a while and there's a lot of stuff going on. And I just want to jump in right away. Dahmer. Yeah, let's do it. Ah. Dahmer. <laughs> Dahmer is the <sighs> most watched show on Netflix right now. It is the second most watched series of all time. Yep. On Netflix. And me and you have decided not to watch it. For different reasons. 
Mm-hmm. I want you to expound upon your reason. And I'll just briefly tell you mine because mine's a lot more simple than yours. So I'm, just not, I'm, first. Just, I'm just not, yeah, I'm going first. I'm just not interested. Yeah. I'm like simply was interested in it. I learned about Jeffrey Dahmer in, uh, I actually learned outside of like just passive news stories growing up. I learned about him in a class I took in college on criminal psychology. It was one of my favorite classes I took of all classes I took in college. Okay. And to take the class on it and learn about the mind of a serial killer and some of the things that they were doing in detail, you don't need a round two and you don't need it dramatized for you. So I just never, I never was clamoring for it. I wasn't clamoring for the um, John Wayne Gacy one. Right. I actually find him a little bit fascinating. It's also a, the name of a fantastic Sufjan Stevens song, which I love. But once you learn about it in a in sort of a criminal way, the way a detective or an officer would look at it, which I did in that class, you don't have like a fictional need to see what they did. So that's my reason. Okay, so mine is similar, uh, but mine is more human, right? This guy murdered... 17 people and what he did to their bodies is just disgusting. Yeah. Right. So when you put that level of, you know, death, mutilation, depravity on a screen, you know, now other people are consuming this and and how are they consuming it? Are they excited to see this? That's gross. You know, it's just, like, like, what is it that you're, this is real. Like, this isn't fantasy, right? It's just a dramatization of something that it actually occurred. And, and like you said, like, once you, if you read any of this stuff before, maybe that's the, the deal. Maybe yeah. the people are going into this having no clue. And like, I've heard of this guy, Dahmer, right? So let's watch this to find out because people don't read, right? So I've read it just like you did. And was just disturbed and disgusted by all of it. And I just think it's like, I don't want to see any of that. Now you add on top of that, the humans, again, the human side of this, imagine being a relative or a friend of any of the people who were murdered by this guy and having that whole thing, or I'll say it this way, and then reliving that whole disgusting, torturous episode of your life in each episode of this series. You realize one of the sisters of one of the victims contacted Netflix and was like, this is disgusting, right? Like you depicted me without my permission. I see myself on the screen saying the words that I said. And I, as a family member, a sister of that person, have to relive that moment. And you didn't get my permission. Right? Can you imagine that? Playing that back for someone whose yeah. family member was drugged, right? So he drugged them, put them to sleep, mm-hmm. and then strangled them to death. Yeah. 
and then did all the things to their bodies that he did to their bodies. Right. And, you know, it's just disgusting. So that's what, for me, I just like, I can't, I was on a plane, somebody next to me was watching it. It's one of those things, man. It's like a train wreck. You know, you see, you see the yeah. train wreck, you're like, huh? <laughs> you know, and I was like, Nope, don't do it. Nick. Like, don't even look at that screen. It's just disgusting. And, uh, but anyway, that's where I stand on. I just can't as a human. I can't, I can't. Yeah. It's, it reminds me of when Hulu put out the Mike Tyson biopic or biopic and Tyson was like, no, this isn't me. And um, Apple much uh, years ago, sort of decrying um, the portrayal of Steve jobs in, um, in the Aaron Sorkin uh, biopic or biopic. Yeah. Which one is it? Creative, creative license. The biopic Actually, biopic. I, I, I think it's at this point. Ways. Exactly. I think this point is a preference. I say biopic just because I think biopic, biopic sounds stupid. Better. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. It just, it just rolls off the tongue, right. Versus yeah. biopic. It just like, seems like you're trying to squish two words together, yeah. which I ultimately never, it is. I never knew like, which now here's the, now here's what's crazy. We're coming up on Halloween. Imagine being a family member and then some kid is dressed up as Jeffrey Dahmer and wants candy. Which has happened. Right. That's what I'm telling you. I'm saying it could happen. No, I think it actually has happened. A kid has done that. Like, cause you know, it's Halloween all month. Right. So there's kids who go to school dressed up in their costumes. And I do believe that this has already happened, that a kid has gone to school or some event as Jeffrey Dahmer. But why not? Right. Because Jeffrey Dahmer is the next Freddy Krueger to some of these people. Right. Who don't really, again, I don't know, humanize this situation. Yeah. Right. It's like those were other those were it's a story about people who are killed. Right. And they're not creating the human connection to the fact that, yeah, these are real people. This it's is a, not a it's a it's a it's thing. a true it's a true demarcation point though like there's always been the awareness that we don't dress up as real you know horrendous you know actually horrendous people or we don't really you know the, we, we've always understood the difference between dressing up as Jason or Michael Myers and then dressing up like Ted Bundy. I don't know. I don't know, man. Who like, are I don't we? think anybody's dressed up as Ted Bundy before. I know. I know. I hear you. But when you say who you say, we, I think I just mean like larger society. I know because like, you I remember what, the, I don't even know what the fact that this show is so popular says about larger society. Oh, I, I think it says a lot, but I was just going to take it back. Like, what does it you say? remember these fools dressing up like uh, KKK members? Yeah, but that's, like, a, that's, that's a person. Like, that's a person hiding. We don't know that that's Fred under there. <laughs> you <laughs> always find out it's Fred under there. That's not, we didn't the know thing that off. was Fred. We didn't know that was Fred from the office. You're right, right. But what I'm saying is, like, it's people have been doing that type of thing, right? Where it's okay. like, come on, man, that's not okay. Like, not, not there's none of that that's okay. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to happen. I think people, it's you're blurring the lines here. And I think that's what this show does. Yeah, that's why I don't it, like it. But how does it blur the lines differently than any other? There's something that's just happened is what I'm saying. Is that like, we've had shows about serial, serial killers before. I'm not sure. I think they've been fictionalized. Like Son of Sam has been fictionalized before. We fictionalized 
the assassination of Malcolm X, of MLK. We fictionalized the assassination of JFK. I'm, I yeah, know but, there's going to be a, a George Floyd movie in the works. I know, but already we in do, development. But, but we do we don't do that from the perspective of the killer, yeah. right? And I, and I think a lot of those are definitely done, in, you know, even in a historical fashion, right? right? Learn about the life of before the person was killed, um, or you know, like like you said, there have been others. I mean, Dahmer is not the first depiction in this way. Uh, like you said, Son of Sam, I think was. Yeah, I mean, it's well, not of, the first, you know, but, son of some, Sam is but an something example. changed with it. I don't know. It's maybe, maybe like, not. I almost feel like I have to watch it so that I know, so that I understand what to avoid. Remember, it's different now because when Son of Sam came out, like you had to go rent that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you had yeah. to go rent it at Blockbuster or something. You know, you had to go seek that content out. Now Dahmer is in, you know, again, I don't know the numbers for Netflix at this point, but how many homes is that just showing up? And then Netflix is able to say, guess what the number one thing is, whether it is or not, right? They can put that on there and it's pushed to you. It is literally pushed into your box. And if they push it as a top 10, then most people are just going to click on it, <laughs> right? Oh, this yeah. is what people are watching. People I should be watching, watching it let's, too. Let's, let's watch this. Uh, you know, it's, it's unusual because there are a lot of like, it stands alone because there are a lot of graphic shows on TV, but like we talk about house of dragons, for example, or house of the dragon, great mm -hmm. show. There's going to be some stuff you don't want to see in there, but because it happened in a place before time. Right. <laughs> and there's, and there's dragons in the, in the show. I think we can sort of just enjoy it from an anthropological level and kind of separate it from reality. Yeah. Like we don't, we don't need it to be like a, there's not a representation of real life. Dahmer feels pretty close. No, it is close to real. It is real. They, they are actually depicting the stories. No, I mean, it feels close in our time. <laughs> yeah. It feels contemporary. And uh, they, yeah. you know, you know what I think it is? It could be how effective that the cover art is and the key art is. Man, that's that's part of it. I think they do a good job in general. It but is remember, so compelling. It's they, Netflix. They stylize, they stylize Dahmer, and yeah, Dahmer's being played Netflix. by an actor that's on the rise too. Has a big following with twenty five and under. He's a sex symbol. Yeah, yeah. Netflix. You I just put all it as number one together. <laughs> the, no, I just think, I, I think yes. And right. Is the yes. And, yeah. and the, and is, is that what you're talking about is like the general population. And we talk about general population. We talk about the consumer. Yeah. Right. And the consumer is easily swayed by the biggest players. So again, all net, even if the cover art hadn't been great, all Netflix had to do was say it was the number one thing being watched. Yeah. And everybody would click on it. The thing that compels you is that it's probably very well done, right? The cinematography is probably on point. The acting yeah. is probably excellent. So you're drawn into this and you know who this person is, right? So you know at some point someone's going to die, right? So they might, they're going to stretch that out. Right. And you're going to be waiting for this incident. You're waiting for this thing to happen. And you're in this brain, this mind of this person. So anyway, I'm sure it's it's very well done. Um, 
but yeah, it doesn't matter. The consumer will consume. Do you know Steven Pinker? You heard of Steven Pinker before? No. He's an author and uh, I think he does philosophy as well. He's really well known. And one of the things he talks about uh, repetitively is that we are in the most peaceful and safe time in human history. Uh, and sometimes people will read that and see that and, and not understand that that's true. Like they'll be like, no, that's not true that, or they'll be surprised by the facts and the numbers on, on that. And so I know you said you had a thought about what this says about culture at large. And I just, it just hit me right now, bro. Like I was like thinking to myself, it could be that like everything is so safe for the most part and saccharine and vanilla and mundane and rote for the majority of people that there's nowhere to sort of put the, the baked in animal rage that we have from a DNA genetics, anthropological standpoint and so because it's so peaceful, we keep getting more and more vile and aggressive media content, whether it be through social media, watching two idiots fight in the street, or a series like Dahmer, or a movie like The Purge movies, or where like there's no point to the movies except that people are going to die. Or even I'll go as far as say John Wick, where it's just... I mean, the body count in John Wick <laughs> is is fantasy, right? It simply just couldn't happen in the real world with with law enforcement and our standing armies. But the it feels like maybe if when the world was a more violent place, you didn't need it when you came home and saw it on TV. When it was a truly more dangerous place, that, where that, you could really go to that war, could be true. and you know. We can't even fathom a war like World War World War One, for example. We can't fathom a war where twenty million people die. I mean, that's insane, right? Like we would, yeah, like, yeah, it is. Like these days, like the numbers coming out of a war, like like a twenty-year war, like the Afghanistan war. I don't, I don't think the U.S. casualties even eclipse ten thousand. Somebody has to you know, fact check me on that. I don't yeah, think I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure know. it did. So yeah, we we live in prosperous times. And the more prosperous and peaceful our world is, the more and more we need to balance that with some sense of violence or, or, or strife. Like this, yeah, this, so, yeah, this idea of only being happy when you're unhappy. Uh, this idea of actually, <laughs> like this idea of lack of purpose. It's like the number one thing I hear young kids say when they're just trying to figure out what to do as adults, young adults. They don't know like what's worth doing. Like every like everything is teetering on nihilism for them. Like I'm 20. I was told not to believe in anything because that would make me a fool. Uh, the newspaper lies, the government lies, social media is causing me to be suicidal and depressed. Uh, like what, like what's real in the world that I can go after? 
And so you escape into Dahmer. But, yeah, but, but, but the I, same I take escape a, I take is a different, scary because you I, might I take escape into really being Dahmer. Yeah, yeah. I take a different take on it, which is I think that there's been a desire for this type of, um, I don't even know if I call it content, but there's been a desire for this type of violence forever. And this is just an extension of it. Um, well, we didn't have this in the 20s. I think that, no, 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 no. What I'm, gonna, what I'm saying is that there's been a desire for this type of violence for a long time, um, and which oh, is why I didn't say period. content, right? Okay. So yeah. long ago, you could actually, in a, in a less safe environment, less, less civil environment, you could actually do these things to people and not get caught. Or get caught, okay. but you could do them. And like, you know, yeah, but you could do, do these them. things to people. Yeah. Right. And I think as our society became a little bit more controlled and more civilized, well, then you couldn't necessarily with such ease carry out these types of evils on other people. Uh, so you just turn to watching it. Right. You get yeah. your kicks from watching the thing that you might fantasize about doing or just have an interest in. Or maybe it's just part of our collective DNA to want some level of violence. Some of us want more than others, right? The purge hellraiser, you know, um, you know, Freddy Krueger, you know, Michael Myers, all these things. So I think that there's always been a desire for it. this just in particular, I don't like because it's, this is real life. This isn't a story that someone made up with fictitious, a fictitious world, fictitious rules, Right. This is real like this, you know, and I think that's the that's the issue that I have with this in particular. But, yeah, I think there's always going to be a desire to see this type of thing. And maybe it's actually better for people to watch it on the screen as opposed to, uh, you know, doing it in person. You know, maybe this is how they get that kick as opposed to doing it themselves. So that's kind of my take on, you know, society's approach to this type of violence, I guess. My advice is that if you see anybody on Halloween dressed as Dahmer, don't don't assume it's a an outfit. Don't assume it's a costume, because you might find out that you ran into the one person that wants to do copycat. Right. Oh, I'm gonna choke that seven year old out. Yeah, choke him out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's for the victims. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> exactly but yeah i hope i don't encounter it I, but you encounter but you can't that, take a um, chance like that is my point remember like oh, xxx's oh, oh, got killed for clout a right. dude shot 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 dude and went right to instagram live yeah like yeah like something something's fucking up like something some switch is like not connecting with certain people in our society anymore it's like not yeah the, the fame engine's too strong the clout engine's too strong. Like it, it's not a, it's, it's all the things. It's, it's, it's the combination yeah, of that's, the it's, it's all, it's all the things, but yeah, I won't be watching it. That's one that, you know, I will not be placing. Oh, maybe I should place it on my watch list. Hmm. Right. Cause the things you put on your watch list is the things you don't watch. Yeah. Yeah. die on the vine. Yeah, <laughs> it'll down the vine. But then I, Netflix will send me all sorts of stuff like that, so I'm not gonna do it. So, speaking of Halloween and Michael Myers, of course, it has the ridiculous trailer that I've been making fun of for all month, uh, the entire month or month or two, with Jamie Lee Curtis looking Michael Myers. Jamie Lee Curtis is like 80. 
and she's looking <laughs> Michael Myers, who has to be also 80 in the face. Right. He's and like, yes. it ends now, Michael. <laughs> just now? <laughs> right, just now. After, what is this, what is this? Halloween 8, 9? able to kill this? In- and then, of course, they're lying. Because why the hell would you turn off the, the engine to such a great franchise? It's just right. it's just the oh, it's just the end for those two. They're gonna no, 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 be rebirthed the, into Michael Jr. No, that's what no, that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting yeah. for Michael to it, it, we're gonna find out that he's got a child somewhere with you know Jamie and Curtis. Exactly, and he's this ends you know now, this monstrous Michael. creature. <laughs> she came out this week after I have your baby that she hopes Kanye West kids get taken away. I thought that was pretty well, harsh. Well, she's well, she's had a dialogue about him for a little while. Yeah. And um, I guess they're going back to the well with her to find out more of her opinion about him. But, you know, of course, she's not the only one. She's had dialogue about Eminem in the past as well. She's had dialogue about a lot of rappers. Well, I don't know if they're rappers as much as it's just, you know, celebrities saying stuff that for whatever reason, either has some sort of Venn diagram with her and her culture, her history, her family, or just that celebrities talk about celebrities. Who knows? For the but record, yeah. everything yeah, I've she's... ever seen her in, I've, I've liked. A true Lies is my favorite. True, yeah, True Lies will never get old. No, so it's my I just, favorite. I, I think it's just a, probably a step too far. You talk about well, I, taking I think, someone's I think that, kids away, and then you have yeah. A, I mean, the thing is, is they don't need to. They don't need to say pylon going what on. the consequences. Yeah, but they don't need to say what the consequences need to be, right? Like, right. don't put that out. Just say that yeah. you don't like what he said, which she did the first time around. I think she said her piece, you know, very well. You know, yeah. she was really bothered by it. I think the whole idea of you know Kanye having you know, mental issues and this being part of that. I think she was trying to address that and be like, I don't care. That's, that's you know, kind I don't know of, what that's, that's about. That's kind of a lie. Like, well, what I'm saying I, is she was I, like, I don't know what that's about, I, but yeah. I'm not, yeah, I had, no, I'm not going to address that. To, yeah. I had to, that's the narrative that's going around that, that like he's crazy and he's bipolar and he's got mental, he doesn't, I have think it was stuff. going around. I think it he was, he I think have, that was because people were trying to protect him. He doesn't have any of that stuff. I, and you could try to protect him or you could be saying, let's pin him in this corner so that everything he says is is sort of disregarded as just the fodder of a crazy person. Um, well, that's, that's, that's the that point. That's the, that's the protecting because he's making or he was making Adidas a bunch of money. Right. He was making these other people a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh don't worry about him. He just, that boy crazy. He touched in the head. Like, right. Oh, poor baby. He touched in the head. Okay, just let him talk. Let him say what he's going to say because we're making billions. And then now he's had too many interviews, right? That, that's gone out the wayside. He keeps going at his point and people aren't picking up because he's not articulating himself well at all. But they're not picking up what he's trying not to say. All. And now it's just he's gotten out of hand and they're no longer treating him with kid gloves. It's funny you use the expression kid gloves because, you know, you can't just read the rhetoric because they, they won't, you know, it, 
if you read a story, they'll never say what he said. So you never get to contextualize it. You never get to say, okay, well, what were the anti-Semitic uh, response or, or comments? What were the anti-Black comments? What were the hateful things he said and did? What are some of these bigoted ideas? And so I That's went Dave through- Chappelle's concern. Huh? That was Dave Chappelle's concern with people who talk bad about him. He's like, you guys never watched my show. You never listened to my stuff. And yet you've got stuff to complain about because you heard what the other person said, but you never paid attention. You didn't listen. So right. yeah, that's the same thing. Chappelle that's exactly said. right. I didn't want to be that person. So I went through and watched the entire three hour plus drink champs interview. I watched the Piers Morgan interview. Mm -hmm. I watched the Chris Cuomo interview. And I followed the tweets and the only interview that I haven't seen is the Lex Friedman interview, which is, which is kind of brand new where he's trying to walk back some of this stuff. His PR team is getting to handle all this. Now that, you know, he's saying that he's intentionally was just trying to find a way to get out of his Adidas deal. And so all this was, it backfired on him, but he was doing it on purpose. <laughs> and uh, right. they're going to try to walk it back. You know, Kanye's going to be in our life, but here, here's, here's the deal. After watching all those interviews, you said kid gloves. I was watching the interviews and I realized he resembled my son when my son was 14 and in trouble where nothing you say matters. You're talking on both sides of your mouth and you don't realize it. You're pedantic, you're, you're, you're narcissistic, you're immature. And the difference is he's 45. And every right. once in a while, he says something that is thought provoking. Every once in a while, he says something that is true. Every once in a while, he says something that's mm -hmm. really interesting and compelling. Um, I think he said on the Drink Champs interview, every person has two to, you know, you get all your information from the two fathers, your father and God. I thought it was interesting. It's an interesting way to turn a phrase, right? And he's talking about the power of information. That's something I, we've talked about on these indie talks for years, which right. is that the lie yeah. you get told is that education is power when actually information is power. Right. So <laughs> it, it, it was, it was an unusual thing to watch. I thought the, I thought Chris Cuomo was super unprofessional in his interview and really made it combative and, and, and unproductive, but also yeah, that was interesting. Kanye is so, uh, such a narcissist and that he, you know, he won't, he wants you to kiss the ring at all times. There's a part of him that's, that that's true. It's like you brought me on cause I'm somebody that's going to bring you great ratings. And so he kind of only understands he over understands sort of what this transaction with media is. He's here to get them ratings and to be someone that they've never had before. Oh, I watched the Tucker Carlson interview as well. So that's four. I watched four Tucker. Tucker just let him talk. You know, uh, drink champs just sounded like people talking shit, getting drunk. And yeah, that's... I think it's interesting <laughs> that there are people like holding him to hard account when you watched him have eight to nine uh, drinks, 
Like they're all drunk. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. At yeah, but some you point, know, the you thing say, is, these dudes are just drunk talking at this point. I know, I know, like, I, I know. But you can look at it. They're just drunk talking. Yeah, but you between. can look at it differently and be like, you know, basically alcohol loosens the tongue, right? Basically, it just you know because before, you know, when you're not drinking, it's not an excuse, there's things it, you want to say, but, not but that clarity. you might not want to say. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. But it, what I'm saying is that now they're like, oh, right. When he's loose lipped, hear the things. His this is what he really thinks. This is what he really means. This is what he's really trying to say. So, and he's a celebrity. Like you can't be out in public saying stuff and not have people well, what, scrutinize what, 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 it or what try to take you to account. What he said from the beginning that that the Jewish community will not accept is that he is a Jew. So he keeps telling everybody, "I'm I'm Jew, therefore I can't be." And what and, and so. The compelling thing about that is, is that for the last 10 years, I heard people in the black community say, I can't be racist because I'm oppressed. I never believed that. But black people not across the board agree with that. Like, no. I can't be racist because white people oppress me. Yeah, don't say that. I wouldn't say black people across the board. Because the other thing is, like, Dude, it's like I, also saying, I, no, no, I'm one. Remember, really, I'm a really black person, black and folks, I don't believe. I'm just going to keep that. it real, including Christian and Dick Gregory. I'm just going to keep it real, including no, those right, right, people right, right. said that black people cannot, are unable, right. incapable of being racist because they're oppressed. I'm just telling right, you what right. it is. That's what that's the truth. You're telling me what you've heard some for no, some people. So that's it, not black uh, people across the, the board. Is what I'm leadership saying. in the black community <laughs> that drives the opinion of non-leaders in the black community said a thing that people agree with for about a decade. And right, so right. So what I'm Kanye's saying trying is to use that that I don't agree. As a, well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Kanye's trying to use yeah. that in reverse. They're not really taking that. But here's here, all that aside, here's the point I was making. When you watch them, you really just see a teenage child melting down in the principal's office. That was the epiphany. I, yeah, I guess he's, like he's, on he, he reminded particular me of a, of, a, of a child in the principal's office melting down. He won't. Yeah, like, I think like, so. Like you could say something really plain to him and say, don't you agree with that? Didn't you just say that? And he'd be like, he won't admit to it like a kid. Like the bad yeah, kid. He school. has his own way. He has his own way of saying things. And he often, some of the stuff he's just said is, you know, like you said, is ridiculous. You know, I, 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 I can't be this because I'm this. That's just, that's not how you make an argument, you know? So some of that's just bad. Um, I think some of it is he just, he just picked the wrong fight. Right. And then, and the yeah. fight that he intended to have, was about whatever this mafia is that's controlling things that's keeping people down. Okay. That's the fight is that there's a concerted effort to maintain control and that control has negative outcomes for a variety of people. Right. That's ultimately what he was attacking, but he chose the wrong thing. He chose to add Jew to it. Yeah, like, like, why is that why, important why, why, to this why, conversation? Why qualify like that, and then say all the Jewish, exactly. So, Jewish what if they're people. exactly? He added that, right? Like, that's what he did. That's what he did wrong. Period. We were with him because right? he, and he if, went on his contract he, tirade a while back, and he didn't say Jewish people, and we were with him, right? And a bunch of people could have been with him here, just like you know when the whole Me Too movement. Imagine. 
right? All of these studio executives, some of them may have been Jewish. But imagine if we were, we as a collective trying to, or not even we as a collective, imagine if some people in that movement said, these Jewish men in power, right? These Jewish executives are attacking people, right? And making women feel uncomfortable. How far do you think that Me Too movement would have gone? Like it wouldn't have. Right, right, right. <laughs> right? You're, you're, you're not attacking these male executives, you're attacking Jews. That's right. basically what Kanye did. And he won't back off of it because he believes that them being Jews is somehow tied to their ability to control things. He won't separate those two things. And then that's put him in the position that he's in right now. And is and is he's put everyone else in that position. Adidas didn't want to drop him, bro. They, no, they, they're they, losing tons of money. They, they dropped him only dying after his right comment now. on Street Champs where he said, Adidas can't drop me even if I say anti-Semitic. Yeah, that's right. Come on, man. You, like, you, you can't. Like, like, why would you fumble the bag like that? Exactly. So that's the thing. It's like, they and they didn't want to Unless do it. They didn't want to, to this be is, out of the deal. I know, but this is costly, right? So, yeah. so anyway, what I'm saying is that's his, that's his whole deal. Like if he hadn't done it, then there might've been, you know, there might've been a me too, you know, for the record industry, for other industries, like, Hey, let's take a look at this. What do you mean, Kanye? What kind of things are you, ta- are you talking about? Yeah. Like for me, you know, if he had had the right conversation, maybe people would talk about the fact that record executives are taking out life insurance policies on rappers. Yeah. Right. So when you hear about these young rappers getting killed in the streets, you're like, man, this is terrible. Well, you also find out that someone's profiting off of their deaths. Yeah. How is that even possible? Yeah. Right. Are the, are the families of these people getting this money? No, they're not the ones with the policy. Right. Or what about the fact that these record labels own these people's names? Right. I'm sure that's why a number of them keep changing their names. Right. Well, I'm this today. I'm this tomorrow because you own my name and I can't make any moves. Right. I can't make any moves because you own my name. Right. So there are certain practices that should probably be brought out and, you know, burned down. But you can't do that if you, you know, attack someone's race creed religion or even necessarily country of origin it's just it, that's that's a non-starter yeah he, he's admitted that he had a lack of sophistication with his messaging and to your point about contracts i think adidas came out when they wrote the letter sort of the open letter saying they were cutting ties with yay that they owned the license to the designs in future mm-hmm. colorways and this. And I was like, how does that work? Well, like, they're the, like, probably the ones who created it, to be honest. And they put his name on the thing that they created. We have to, so yeah, there's we have leveraging to, we have to his name out. potentially. Yeah. We'll have to find out. Cause yeah, he, he's not a designer himself. He doesn't cut fabric, you know, he doesn't do drawings. So I, I you know, I wonder you know, I wonder what his role is in, in that, or was this simply like a Trump deal where Trump gets paid X percentage to put his name on a building? Yeah, I think he probably had his name and he probably got to pick some of the designs. You know, they probably came to him with 50 designs and he picked two, right? Yeah. Because it's on his name. He probably had some level of license to make choices. Yeah. 
but yeah, they're the ones who are manufacturing these things. They're the ones who are creating even new textiles, right. That might be unique to just his brand. Adidas owns all that kind of stuff. But it, it, you know, it does need, it does need to be addressed contract contract work and contract norms in, in the creative realm needs to be discussed. I mean, from this shoe deal, right. To record deals where they own your name, your likeness, all your publishing, they give you advances. So you're in debt. And, you know, I know that from being in the music business before I was in the film business, some of the predatory uh, contracts that are just normal. Like it's a normal contract to, only get 10 cents or one cent in some cases on a dollar of every dollar you make. And that goes out to a bunch of other people. And it's not like there's a bunch of labels to go to. Like there's three labels on the planet. <laughs> there you go. Right. Yeah, so the corner of the market. So, so yep. in music you're stuck. And in film, we've talked about these film contracts that are, especially for independent creatives, incredibly one-sided we we have been one of the few podcasts that are willing to get into the weeds on a contract with our listeners and say and, and few individuals that are willing to say look their business model is not aligned with your goals that's like, right that bears repeating your goal is to get a bunch of views on your movie and make money through the viewership of your film. And if you have an aggregation deal, a services deal through a distributor where they're shotgunning your movie out to streamers, their goal and their model is to manage as many films as possible. They're in the business of acquiring IP rights across a large swath of films. And how each one individually does is not the point. The split is 75-25. You get 75%, they get 25% in perpetuity or as long as the contract lasts. The contract can last between 15 and 20 years, oftentimes with no minimum guarantee. And if it's a services deal again or an aggregation deal, you owe them money up front, which far out reaches the cost of the actual service that is provided through BitMax. BitMax charges between $400 and $2,000, depending on whether they had to open your film up for the distributor, add their graphics into it, because they do a lot of post services to get the film ready for distribution. But those expenses trickle right on back down to the filmmaker. And oftentimes they owe between four and eight thousand dollars before they can get sent one. Right. Just for aggregation. Right. So that's a bad contract. That's not a filmmaker friendly contract. <laughs> well, there you go. But it's not illegal. No, and all these business models were created <laughs> in the 20s, the 1920s and 30s. This was Tin Pan Alley. This is the beginning of the Nick of the film industry when there were Nickelodeon theaters and like th these are really old antiquated models designed to make one group really wealthy and be in the ownership class. And this is why these businesses, in my opinion, can be so sharky because they always have been. So the sharkiness as a norm 
for example, Mm -hmm. right? Like what business values versus what the creative world values is, is really quite fascinating. I just watched the documentary last night, the price of everything. I highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. It's awesome. I'll make a note. If you love art, you'll love it. You're going to see some of the best works of art made by the best painters and sculptors in the world. Uh, I've all new respect for Jeff Koons after watching this documentary, but one of the fascinating things in the, in the film is the world of collection and, and auction and sales of art in that there comes a point where you actually don't write fresh checks and, and new money for any given work of art. So if I go out and I spend $200,000 on, you know, let's say a Coons piece, and then it quadruples in value, instead of, and I want to get a Basquiat, instead of paying Sotheby's or Christie's $800,000 or a million dollars for a Basquiat, I just trade my Coons and my other piece, and now I have the Basquiat. And I keep doing that over and over and over until I have a giant collection. And I never spent, I only spent the original money. (laughs) The original money, right. Yeah. I don't think people know that. And like, like I look for stuff like that. And and even in the Kanye interviews, I was looking for like the little stuff that he was going to let slip. That wasn't about the other bullshit he was talking about. (laughs) And, and, you know, all the, his demand to be called a billionaire, all this shit. One thing he said was he was with Scooter Braun and Scooter came to him and said, I have a friend that owns some shares in SpaceX. And if you come with me and we get this group together, we can, we can buy SpaceX or own SpaceX behind Elon's back. And it's like, <laughs> Kanye said, I would just rather get to know Elon. And he said, that's how him and Elon became friends. It's right. like, there are people that operate like that. Like they are angling. I have a friend I grew up with, not Jewish, Irish. He was always angling. He had a really hard time when he was young, keeping a job because he would go to the job and immediately find out what their security weaknesses were. <laughs> so instead of being interested with, What's what? How do I become great at this job? He was interested in how do I grift this place because they're stupid. Right. He was interested in making people look foolish, and there are people like that that want to make you look dumb. Who are interested in separating you from your money because they're a better chess player than you, or they're playing chess and you're not playing anything. You're just trying to be their friend, right? And instead, <laughs> they're playing you. Filmmakers, look out for these people. These people are out there. They, they're looking to separate you from your IP, from your capital, and they're going to brag about it later. And they view you as a boon. They view you as a meal on a plate. So uh, we'll see. I don't know how this thing ends with Ye. It probably ends with him making a bunch of apologies like he did when he said George Bush doesn't care about black people. 
he'll drop another fire album, <laughs> do something else where he his genius actually pays off for him. And 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 we'll go, you know, round and, and round again. Yeah, um, well, I, I guess I guess I actually have to apologize to Yay. Cause I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot he's Yay. I was called him Kanye. I'm like, ah, because on the Cuomo, right? He was like, my name's Yay, sir. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like it's yeah, Yay, he, sir. <laughs> well, like, my these bad. artists put these artists put us in a tough position because when we listen to his old catalog, he released Diddy. that old catalog as Kanye West. <laughs> so when I went to go look up Cruel Summer today to listen to Cruel Summer, which is a fire album. You can't look up Yay and get that. You got to look up Kanye West. Because right. Kanye West dropped <laughs> yeah. Cruel Summer. Exactly. Exactly. Yay will drop something else. You know, it's like, you know, again, Diddy, Puffy, Puff Daddy, Diddy Love Master Flex or whatever it was that he came yeah. out with. <laughs> or his name was Love or something like that at one point. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, when, when Prince changed his name to a symbol... <laughs> I'm sorry, and I don't know how it was across the board, but black people weren't saying all those words. What, what words? The artist formerly known as Prince. We weren't saying all that shit. Right. You're saying Prince. Prince. That's right. Now, if we were talking to somebody who didn't have Prince's best interest in mind, we'd say the artist formerly known as Prince. Get right, it right. Right. But for us, we just we just need to be able to talk to each other normal. That's Prince. Well, especially because it's because it, Prince is like calling him like like you knew him. That's just Michael, bro. Like yeah. you know, it's like we we saw Prince playing basketball, right? And then we call him Prince. He's Prince. That's Prince, bro. Yeah. That's Prince from the streets. He's Prince. Speaking of Michael, anyway, album my, I've been really bad, enjoying yeah. is the 40th anniversary of Thriller, or uh, that came out no. this year. Yeah, highly recommend. Great, great. Uh, it's just a nostalgic listen, man. It's awesome. And there's some extra tracks in there. It's it's cool. I would tell anybody to download the 40th anniversary of Thriller while it's still the 40th anniversary uh, of Thriller, by the way. True. Black true. Adam, by the way. Yeah. The Rock. Love The Rock. Came out. They did 67 million. That's a lot of money in one week. But they wanted double. They wanted that Tom Cruise, Top Gun, Maverick money. Top Gun money. And so you being our resident comic book movie nerd, <laughs> um, is this because it's a DC movie, Nick, that it didn't do as well as it wanted to do? Or like, is it getting panned because it's a DC movie? What, what, what does DC do wrong that Marvel gets right? Maybe I should phrase it that way. Uh, I guess it depends. I mean, there's so probably so many things, you know, that, you know, DC stories for a while have been, you know, somewhat dry. You know, I've, I've watched a number of those and I'm just, you just don't get excited about these characters and their stories and how they put them together. And sometimes it's just a flat out mistake. You know, it's just like the whole Justice League thing. It's yeah. like, what is this? Like, what, what are you, what's happening here? What are, you, what are you doing? It was just bad. I mean, so bad. I mean, how, you know, they had to redo it. You know, yeah. now, I will say that, that has happened in Marvel space as well. It just hasn't happened in a long time where, you know, like the incredible Hulk, right. That was a different person before that was a different character. And they yeah. did such a bad job. They had to redo it. <laughs> They're like, Oh no, let's do this all over again. Cause we messed up. But yeah, the DC characters, you know, it's just, and you can't go across the board because remember Batman is a DC character. 
right? And Batman, you know, the latest series has been doing very well. And then Joker is doing the, amazing. The latest one, was it good? The latest Batman. Joker movie or? Batman, the one with James Oh, the, the latest Batman it. was just, no, it was just okay. You okay. know, and actually it was a little bit more more violent um, when it comes to the the bad guy than than you would normally see. So it went a little bit darker with, you know, with that. So I don't know where they're going with that. Yeah, maybe but Dahmer is I think the Joker's world. They, there you go. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. But they, they, yeah, but they build the thing. So one of the things about that um, the DC folks don't like about Marvel, so kind of flip it, is that, uh, I, and I think I heard this, I, I, I can't remember who said it, but they basically said that, you know, the Marvel folks act like a bunch of college kids. Okay. Right. Like they do whatever they want. They've got these lives that don't, they don't, nothing really matters. I literally just do whatever they want. There's no consequence. You know, it's all fun and games and they're just fighting bad guys, but it's so fanciful and the worlds they're building are so colorful and it's so exciting. And the, the villains that they create are colorful and exciting that it's easy to get pulled in and stay into those, in those worlds. And they continue to grow every you know, movie grows on the next one, the next one, the next one, the next one. And, and DC has been somewhat fragmented, right? There was the Batman movies, right? There's very few other, you know, DC characters that get pulled into those lately. Then you have Superman and separate, right? So they had to bring it together and do Batman versus Superman, right? Whereas the Marvel things have been building and building and building, and building all these universes and building yeah. all these likable characters and the colors. I mean, think about it. It's if you watch a DC movie versus watching a Marvel movie, you know, they're almost night and day with respect to the color schemes that they use in these things. So there's that. Um, but it's with this one, with black Adam, you know, I'll, I'll give you a, a couple different thoughts that I have, you know, you one watch is, it? you know, uh, maybe not in the theater, you know, it's oh, like wow. if it comes out and my son wants to watch it, then we'll watch it. Now, if he wants to go, I'll take him, but I'm, I'm not running to see it. There's a couple of reasons. So the first one is, interesting personally i'm tired of seeing the rock right like he's he's in, he's everything yeah you know what i'm saying like I, i'm he's good. good like he's no i know but no but the thing is is he he's just the rock in every movie is so for me it's like kevin hart right kevin hart's just kevin hart in every movie so if i really right. love kevin hart then i would go see it but i'm not i'm i'm tired of it so i'm not watching the rock be everything so the next thing is that the critics don't like this movie like, so people who critique film, right, who have an eye for certain aspects of film don't like this movie. The folks who like it are just the folks who like DC or they like The Rock or they like just watching stuff get blown up, right? Or people who like the idea of an anti-hero, right? Like, that's, that's the type of thing. So, you know, when you talk about what they expected to make, I don't know where their expectations came from. You know, this if they want to make double, you know, why did you want to make double budget. and why, why did you think... And why did you think you could make double, right? So when you talk about Top Gun, Top Gun is everybody, man. I mean, Top Gun is every age group on the planet <laughs> wants to go see Top Gun. Whether you and it's not about a comic, whatever. This is like, you know, people in the military want to see this. People who saw the first Top Gun movie want to see this. They want to take their kids to go see it because it's meaningful. That's a. It's Tom Cruise. It's a totally different thing, right? I mean. The Rock is not doing these stunts, bro. Like, what? He's not flying. Freaking Tom Cruise is flying a jet, you know. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a feat of you know humanity. So it's a bigger thing. 
anyway, so all that. And um, yeah, I don't know. I saw the ads for Black Adam in Times Square. It looked bigger than life. Well, that's the point. That's what they're trying to do. And I think that's the goal of it is like make it bigger than life. And The Rock has, you know, all the money in the world to make it look bigger than life. Uh, I think he said he's been working on making this thing come to life for like 15 years, right? This is a, a very... This isn't like it just popped up yesterday. He's been working on this character and potentially being this character for a very long time. So, you know, we'll see how it does. I think it's getting good audience ratings from the people who like that type of stuff. It's getting bad critic ratings. Right. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see where it goes from here. Like, it will it win awards? Like, that's the big deal. Like, no, no. You can... Well, that's what I'm saying. You can blow it up all you want, but like, will it win anything? I'm already getting the awards season emails um, to review the screeners, you know, Black Adam's not in that group. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen I'm seeing the movies and and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a bunch of dramas, but um, yeah, but there could be there's room. There's There's room for films like that. Yeah, what I mean is like you know, what about the score? What about different aspects of cinematography or whatever, or visual effects? Yeah, That's what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that they may not hit any of those notes. So that if they don't hit any of those notes and don't make the money that they wanted to make, even though it's going to make some money, you know, what is the mark of success for that film? Yeah. I mean, maybe for the rock, just making it was success if it took 15 years and to put it in context, it was the number one film in the box office. Yeah. And what if he gets to do another one? And what if he gets to fight Superman? You know, like, (laughs) you know, it was, there was no movie close to it. So it could also be just a function of theaters and that the theaters just aren't fully back yet. But if they're not fully back by this, by this, let's say next summer, I think we got to really start looking at the long term prospect of, societal change based on the pandemic because every place I've been for the last three months, was absolutely packed. Traffic yeah. I think the, the theaters are packed. packed. Yeah. Times Square, New York, packed. Manhattan packed. No one's concerned about yeah. COVID. Like COVID. Yeah. I, I think for, they're back. I think people. their expectations might've been too high. That's it. Like you said, it was the number one film. It made $67 million in the first week. Like it did well. Yeah. So we'll see where that takes them. And again, it'll, we'll see if this is one of those that propels the DC universe into a positive direction. We'll see if they do get that film where black Adam gets to wrestle Superman and we'll see how that goes. And, you know, I think people might be clamoring for that if the rock keeps putting it out there. So it could be a good thing for them. Uh, But yeah, for me, I just, I I haven't seen a reason to really look for that content. And black Adam also does seem like a one-off. Here's how lame how I brave am. you are. I, lame. I wasn't no. <laughs> even aware that Black Adam existed. I wasn't, I don't know any, I've never heard of Black Adam in my life. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of people who don't. Like even Shazam, you know, I know Shazam. For a lot of people, I, I know you do, but what I'm saying is that a lot of people don't. And it's a somewhat of an obscure character when compared to someone like Superman, Batman, mm-hmm. Robin, like all of those characters. And you're like, who's this? You know, I mean, think about it like this, like, you know, there's probably a lot of people who weren't, if you're not a comic book head, you might not have been as familiar with Black Panther, right? Like, where yeah. did this guy come from, right? We know Iron Man really, and Captain honest, America. And I really Hulk. wasn't that familiar with Black Panther before Black Panther came. Right, out. right. Or Black Widow, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, oh, who? 
who's this? And I mean, if you think, if you ever look at the DC universe, right, if you looked at a picture of all the characters in the DC universe and looked at a a picture, an image of all the characters in the Marvel universe, you'd be floored. I mean, there's content forever, right? Like ad infinitum. (laughs) Does this end with Marvel acquiring DC? I don't think so. I think they'll keep those separate. You know, that that'll be an interesting multiverse type situation, but I, I don't I don't think that'll happen. Mm. But who knows? It could. But I, I don't think that's the goal. I was curious about it. Speaking of critics and talking about critics not liking Black Adam, uh, we talked about critics in our last indie talk uh, about the movie un, now called Unredacted, but initially called Jihad Rehab by Mick Smaker. And I just wanted to give some follow-up on it, Nick, because this podcast, and proud to say this podcast was the first podcast to come out publicly in defense of, of, of the filmmaker, of the indie filmmaker. And there are still some facts, I guess, that have to be uncovered around maybe improprieties in making the film. But I think for the most part, they've been answered. and. Uh, you know, we released our content on, I think, October 4th. Uh, Meg reached out to us directly. Um, we had some conversations that I, that I won't share. But at the time that she reached out, she had a GoFundMe that was at about $3,000. Because remember, she had been made absolutely broken by... Uh, the situation she'd been through, right? She spent the money. She had investors, including Abby Disney, Abigail Disney, (laughs) who then turned around and rejected the film, even though she invested in it. Sundance and South by Southwest turned their back on it uh, after they had already announced that they were going to screen her film. And so she was well on her way and then not on her way and then completely broken with nowhere to put this film and no money. And so she started to go fund me. It was at $3,000. Well, then she got on the Sam Harris podcast, which is called uh, Waking Up, I believe, or no, Making, I think he changed the name. Make, making, making Sense. sense. Making, it used to be called Waking Up. It's called the Making Sense podcast. And, you know, his podcast is tremendous. He has an incredible audience. I love our audience more, but he has an incredible audience and an incredible reach. And she did a three-hour podcast with him shortly after our conversation with her via DM and uh, our conversation about her on the fourth. And right now where it sits is somewhere around $650,000. So she went from $3,000 to $650,000. And I'm proud that we played a role in helping an independent filmmaker pay their investors back, be able to make their second film or documentary, whatever she wants to do. She's very A-type personality. She's like a go-getter. She's not afraid. She paid an enormous personal cost just to make the film. So I I would ask this audience to go out, find the Making Sense podcast with Sam Harris and listen to the Meg's Maker interview. It's three hours long, but it is the singular and sole record needed uh, on on this case. And uh, I told... Meg that again via DM directly, like you don't need any other interviews. Like this is the ultimate interview 
to make your point and your case in, into the market. So just want to update this audience on that. And we just came back from the Fayetteville Film Festival and it was our, this is our second or third year in a row working with them, but this year we were on site and in person and it's a, it's a little festival, but it's a fun festival. We had a great time. Nick, do you have any updates, thoughts about the Fayetteville Film Festival? Yeah, I'll just offer that. And like you said, it's been uh, a couple of years kind of working with them, uh, doing various things. You know, we've been uh, judges, you know, of the the narrative shorts, the narrative features, the emerging filmmaker um, category as well. You know, this year we had the benefit of being there with them in person, which was awesome. You know, I'd never been to to Arkansas, so it was nice to to go to a state I've never been to, and also you know hang out with the folks that we've been talking to for for so many years now. And, you know, we also gave uh, the pitch workshop, which, you know, uh, not, uh, you know, a tip in the hat to myself or to ourselves or anything, but I think it went very well mm-hmm. and it was very well received. And, you know, this year they had, you know, not from our words, right, but from the the words of one of the, you know, the major sponsors of the festival and the pitch prize, you know, they said these were some of the best, if not the best pitches that they've ever heard. And, you know, many of the folks there did tell us that they believed that it was, you know, because of the support that we had given them. So we were just, we're happy and grateful to have had that opportunity and to actually have an impact on the festival, right? That's, you know, with one of our, our, or many of of our principles, you know, it's, it's be better, be creative, be engaged, right? And if we can create opportunities for people to improve uh, by being engaged with them where they are, then we're going to take those opportunities and and make the most of it. So it, it was awesome to see that the the pitch fest, um, the pitch prize was actually for a single individual, right? One winner, uh, but because the pitches were so great, the uh, festival sponsor and the pitch uh, prize sponsor decided to offer an award for four more individuals based off of the high quality of their pitches. So you know we had five filmmakers, you know, get some funding for their projects and potentially get mentorship, you know, through through that sponsor as well, which is Rock Hill Studios out there in Arkansas. And it was so it was just a, an amazing experience on that side. All the people that we met there were just so open and welcoming. You know, we got to actually do Fayetteville, which is pretty awesome. You know, so mm-hmm. we did the, yeah. the festival, but we also got to hang out you know, in some of the restaurants and bars there, we got to see some, some very cool things that they do in that, you know, relatively small town. Uh, but it was like, uh, you know, going down there is like a warm hug, man. You know, everybody just opens their arms and they embrace you, they bring you in. So, you know, we hope that there's going to be an opportunity for us to come back uh, next year, but also to help them to continue to build, expand upon that festival, you know, from, from between now and then. So it was just an amazing experience. Yeah, I completely agree. Kudos to Russell. Kudos to Cassie and Alex. Kudos to Blake Elder with uh, Rock Hill Studios yeah. and everybody down there. It was an awesome time and uh, can't can't wait to work with you folks again. And for the second year straight, we've seen some incredible films that both came out of Arkansas and, and, and uh, were submitted to, to your festival. So... Uh, the month of October and a little bit of September and oh well August too with Whistleblower, we've just been yep. festival. We've seen a lot of movies. I, I'll put it this way: 
I think I've I've probably seen like on order of about 90 movies. Yep. In three months. I can't. Right. It's it's too it's almost overload. It's like the it's like it's like pouring like a beer into a mug and then like the head of the beer just like goes over the top because <laughs> you're just still pouring. Right. And my my yep. brain is the is the frosted mug or whatever. Like there's just like yep. it's too much content. Uh, I'll have to like find some time over the holiday season to just sort of like decompress and reflect on what I watched and what it all meant and and that good stuff. So yeah, kudos to them. And uh, speaking of this, this coming season, uh, we, we might change a little bit around how we release our content I think we're going to try some new things. So keep your ear to the ground on that. The main purpose. Keep your ear to the podcast. To, to, what's, what's that? Yeah, keep your ear to the podcast. Keep yeah. your ear to the podcast. That's, yeah. that's right. Yeah, keep your ear to the podcast. And we're, we're trying to make it easier for you to do that, right? Like we, we don't want to let out so much content so often that you can't keep up with it. And so we're thinking about different strategies, different sort of off rhythm ways to provide content that you can consume over time. Cause a lot of our interviews are, are, if not all of them are evergreen. And then our indie talks tend to be topical. So, you know, how can we mix in the topical more often while giving you the long form content that you can learn from, get tools, tactics from other creatives from, and then, you know, still give you time within a given month or a week to consume that. So keep, keep your ear to the ground on that. But uh, Nick, I think we, I think we hit it. You know, we understand you can't tell Kanye nothing. He said that to us a long time ago. No, you can't tell me nothing. Uh, Yay. Stay. Yeah. (laughs) Yay. Yeah. Can't tell you anything. Uh, Stay away from people dressed as Dahmer folks for Halloween. You don't know if they're copycatting. I think we I think we covered the damn things. Whoever watches Black Adam, uh, th- yeah, please hit me it. up on Twitter. Let me know if the critics are right, what you think. And um and and to mix, make or keep fighting the good fight. Um if you want to reach out to us, I just mentioned Twitter, of course, but I guess the first line of defense is our is our official or the first line of offense for you. If you want to get in touch with us, let us know what you think about Black Adam. Are the critics right or anything we talked about today? The first line of offense would be our official socials, which is underscore bonsai creative. Do people know what an underscore is, Nick? <laughs> yeah, because it hasn't changed names like the hashtag did. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, Remember do, they they think that we mean, do, do you think people mean <laughs> that we sh- they should be typing the word underscore? No, no. I think we're okay. good there. Underscore is that I little line that's like below the letters. So, so anyway underscore bonsai creative on instagram and on twitter you can search for us for at bonsai creative on facebook tiktok linkedin we'll come right up you can reach out to nick directly at nick at bonsai.film that's his email address and you can reach out to me on twitter at flaming your heart or you can just search for chris tofer i think it's tofer i think they add the tofer at the end <laughs> then you search yeah, for right, chris Barkley, you get a bunch of people but if you search for chris tofer Barkley, mm. uh, I come right up. So that, or you can go with my handle, which is flame in your heart. Your is spelled U R. 
And then if you want to know anything and everything about Bonsai as an organization, which is the lovely company me and Nick founded, uh, that is the auspice for this podcast. Uh, it's www. Is it also, should I say auspices or auspice? How would I even say this? But you know, yeah, auspices <laughs> for this podcast. Under www the auspices of, of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. www bonsai.film is where you can go to find everything about us uh, and what we're up to. Last but not least, two big things. One, Voice of the Filmmaker program. That's our um, multimedia uh, fiscal sponsorship. You can donate to that. It's a fiscal sponsorship with women in film and television. Every uh, contribution goes towards building that multimedia project and helping independent filmmakers uh, and for the most part, women. Uh, I am doing a workshop with the women in film and television this weekend, actually at 10 a.m. on financing. So that'll be fun. And then our biweekly newsletter comes out every other Friday. The team does a great job on that here at Bonsai. Uh, people love it. We're getting great response, super uh, huge engagement. And if you want to be a part of that and, and be part of what we're building around this newsletter, we, we go, we work really hard to like scour the internet and, and, all over um, sort of our scope, you know, our reach of resources, resources that aren't readily available to put those in the newsletter. So you get things in the newsletter that are typically hidden behind a paywall or you just didn't have the time or wouldn't be able to find. So there's a huge value prop. Obviously you can unsubscribe anytime, but please don't do that. Join the newsletter. No, no, we're not worried about unsubscribing. Yeah, it's bonsai. Yeah, bonsai.film forward slash. Is it forward slash subscribe or forward slash newsletter, Nick? Oh, yeah, subscribe. It's subscribe. Yeah, so subscribing's easy. It's bonsai.film forward slash subscribe. And all you got to do is put in your email. We're not going to spam you. We're not going to sell it. Uh, your email, anything like that. You're just going to get this great newsletter goodness every two weeks in your inbox. And Nick, with that long diatribe, can you please leave <laughs> us with say, the credo? Just, for God's sake, sitting here waiting. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, they know, bro. They know all the things. They know all the things. So, with that, we'll just say, be better, be creative, be engaged. Thank you for listening, Nick. Talk to you soon. Yes, sir. We'll do it again, as we do, as we do. Peace. All right, man. Hey, gang. One more thing before you go. I want to talk to you about Indie Insights. Indie Insights is our bi-weekly newsletter and love note to the film industry, movies, and the creatives that make them, not to mention you, our esteemed listeners. Inside, you'll find curated industry trends, articles, exclusive commentary, and underappreciated films from filmmakers like you worldwide. And the best part is that it's completely free. So... Join today at www.bonsai.film. It just takes a few seconds, and once you sign up, you'll get the very next newsletter. It's that simple. Go to www.bonsai.film to get Indie Insights, our bi-weekly newsletter, and join a network of film creatives like yourself. And don't worry, we'll never sell your information or spam you with a bunch of nonsense emails just the bi-weekly film industry goodness you need and if you ever tire of indie insights we hope not but if you do 
simply unsubscribe. No gimmicks, no games. So, one more time, go to www.bonsai.film to get indie insights for free. And thank you for listening. <laughs>